Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns. This week I am joined by my awesome co-host, Amanda Powell. How are you, Amanda? Oh, always doing good, Ralph. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm pretty excited about this week's guest, though. Oh, I actually, me too. Yeah, no kidding. We found out about him through a mutual friend of ours, Amanda. I know you know Ryan. And, yeah. Uh, a pretty big we recently had on the show. That's right. <laughs> like, that's true. He, he hadn't even finished production on this video that we're going to be talking about here today, which is... If you haven't seen it, I know we've had a lot of funny video guys and gals on this show, but oh my God, you've got to go to funnysalesvideos.com and see this video that this guy produced. And we're actually going to go through his seven-step process of how he did it for our buddy Ryan and True Earth. So today's guest is none other than Joseph Wilkins from funnysalesvideos.com. Super excited to have you on the show. Congratulations on a major success with True Earth, (laughs) a long string of amazing videos, and welcome to Perpetual Traffic. Thank you, guys. It's uh, exciting and a privilege to be here today. I'm excited to chat about how we can help some of your listeners do maybe something similar. Yeah, it's always sort of funny to figure out, I say the word funny because we're talking about funny (laughs) videos here, is how do you create a video that's not only funny, but converts? If you don't do one without the other, oftentimes the customer, in this case, Joseph has his own agency, which creates videos for customers to sell products. And the one we're going to talk about today is probably the most popular video that he actually has in his portfolio over at funnysalesvideos.com. But how do you create a funny video that actually sells? (laughs) And obviously we're talking here about traffic plus a lot of conversion, especially in coming episodes. And obviously that's the name of Digital Marketers big show they do every single year, which we're going to have <laughs> more info on that when that's going to be sort of relaunched for the late part of this year. But yeah. conversion is a really important part of it. And what Joseph has been able to do here is put together sort of a seven-step formula that I've never heard of before. I always love to sort of ask super creative guys, like <laughs> what makes them so good? And I don't think you realized that you had a seven-step process maybe until, I don't know, a half hour or so ago, but because <laughs> it was all like in your head. It's just floating around in my brain and I needed someone to help me put it down on a piece of paper for the first time. But That's yeah, good. but it's also so. so unique. Like you said, Ralph, it's something that we've never talked about. Like the steps that you have in order to create these 
high converting and hilarious videos. I also feel like we should have a warning at the bottom of this episode <laughs> to not be drinking anything or <laughs> be, yeah. make sure you're fully prepared when you watch these videos. But these are things we've never talked about on the show before and that we've never even steps that we haven't even thought about, I think, as digital marketers as we're walking through these creative steps. These are things that Ralph and I were like, oh, that's such a good idea. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so we're totally building it up here. So I feel like I should give a disclaimer of <laughs> a drink down. I'm actually not that funny. <laughs> But you know lots of funny people, which is the key. I surround myself with funny people. That's the difference. So just so the expectation isn't that I'm going to come out cracking wise jokes throughout. (laughs) Probably you'll laugh harder watching some of your videos than you probably would listening to this week's episode. You never know. We could could throw some curveballs in there for you. But why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got started and like why some of the things in your background are super interesting as well as how you got into video and that sort of match between selling humor and attention, which is sort of the sweet spot for your agency right now. So a little bit of context. So I live in Salt Lake City, Utah, but I didn't always, as you can probably tell by my speech impediment. I started out life in London and my father was a very in-demand fashion photographer. So I guess at the top of his portfolio would be photographing the Queen of England. I don't know that it gets much more prestigious than that. That's pretty Um, funny. Pretty big, I guess. (laughs) Personal invitation to Balmoral Castle up in Scotland. He also did the front cover for the Rolling Stones. He worked with Paul McCartney, Jimi Hendrix. Most of his career, he worked for Vogue magazine, height of fashion. So I actually grew up in a house that had a big old photography studio in our downstairs of our house. And I got into the creative advertising space by osmosis, just being around all of that. But I also, I've I've always had, I don't know, this inbuilt desire to make money. I'm just one, I, I was one of those kids that was always dreaming up ideas to make money. And as a young child in my village in England, we, we moved out of London. We were in a little village and I would hire all of the local kids to go. I would go door to door and say, hey, we'll walk your dog. We'll wash your car. We'll trim your hedge. And then I would go get all of my friends to go do the actual work. Outsource it. Yeah. <laughs> Fiverr before Fiverr was invented. Right, right. So then when I was 16, I got my first real job. I started a business importing fax paper from Holland and selling it for pennies on the dollar. I had a boiler room of about 20 employees in an office in London just doing telephone sales. Oh my God. Earned enough money to go on a mission for my church, which was one of my goals. And when I got back from my mission, I moved out to Utah and that's where I started uh, a graphic design degree at BYU. And my first job out of college, I was a graphic designer. And one day my boss came in and basically said, hey, we want to do some videos. This was when the, the internet was starting to be able to support that, right, back in the glory days. And so he basically said, who wants to go on this training course? I raised my hand and 20 years later, I've run a video production agency doing just that. So that's my short story. It's tremendous. And your first or one of your first videos was one that was sort of hard to live up to after the fact. And it was an infomercial. Yeah, it was was for the little giant ladder. You might have seen it decades ago. Yeah. Yeah. 
It wasn't my production. I was one of three production teams that produced that. That was a, a pretty expensive budget. <laughs> uh, but I think it made like $200 million in sales, was one of the biggest, most successful infomercials at the time. And so that was my very first client that let me quit my full-time job and start this video production studio that I now run. But for about 10, 10 to 15 years, we did infomercials, TV commercials, and other corporate videos. But after a while, our clients started to say, as TV viewership dropped and people stopped watching traditional broadcasts, they started, they were spending the same amount of money to produce these ads. And funnily enough, the same amount of money to run the airtime, but their results were just dropping and dropping. And they kept saying, what can we do that's going to get us back to the glory days of when our infomercials were pulling a two, three, four return on ad spend. And that's the path that led me to start funny sales videos when I started seeing what these other geniuses like the Harmon brothers and Chamber mm-hmm. Media were doing. And I was like, I could do that. And that's where funny sales videos was born. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's an interesting background. I mean, obviously like that sort of stuff, even from your youth, I mean, all that you're sort of absorbing throughout your entire life. I tell people mm-hmm. this all the time. It's like your past is really is your prologue and you mm-hmm. are pulling all that info. Like my father was a graphic designer and my mother is a teacher. It just so happens I'm running an agency and I'm teaching people how to do stuff. Now I was like, I never <laughs> really thought like that would actually be a relevant career choice, but <laughs> pick up all these little things along the way to create who you are today. So it totally makes sense. The video and the, the production side, and then obviously the sales side and the business side, here you are as a business owner and tremendously successful, sort of merging those two worlds together and adapting the business and pivoting. Mm-hmm. We still use the word pivot to the world. Word of the of, year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the word of the last decade. Holy crap. It's the world of now social media with all these platforms that you're now hosting video on. And I do remember the day when you could actually, for the first time, like load up a video that's two to three minutes and the internet would be able to host it. Yeah. Like, that's a time that didn't happen. Yep. <laughs> so, well, let's get into, obviously, for people who are listening to this in the car, don't you know flip your browser over to funnysalesvideos.com yet, but the, the first video that you're going to see on there is one that we're going to talk about here today, and it's Ryan's mm-hmm. business. And uh, you can certainly go back to the episode where we talked to Ryan about his business and the genesis of it. First off, it's a great product. And it's a product that you know my wife and we actually love here. Mm-hmm. And when I saw the video, I was like, oh my God, you guys have been able to crystallize exactly the real USP for it, but also make it funny. And you're talking really specifically to a very specific avatar and no wonder it's done so well, but it's over three minutes in length or just about three minutes in length, which you've used sort of this seven step process to produce videos like this, but also do a lot of the other ones that are in your portfolio. But it also sounds like you're iterating and getting better with each one, like realizing that for the true earth one, like the first three to six seconds, like really pulls you in. Obviously great to have an explosion in the first three seconds or so. <laughs> I was in my front yard and I still have burn marks in the grass from it. That's <laughs> awesome. And, and my son had the best day of his life playing with explosives. Oh, it's <laughs> tremendous. It's tremendous. So people are going to be like, I'll not listen to this show anymore. I'm just going to go over 
<laughs> or they're going to be like, wait, I need to pull over and watch this video. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So let take us through the seven step process and then we'll sort of talk about like how you did that with True Earth to create that video right now, which Ryan has a testimonial on there, which obviously is showing the amazing results that you guys have produced. So take us through sort of step one, like how do you, when a customer like Ryan McKenzie comes to you and says, hey, I want to sell this thing called True Earth, what do you do step one all the way through to step seven? Let's just start yeah. with step one. Well, before I start, I have to say, I have to give props to Ryan and True Earth for creating a truly amazing product that is worth spreading, right? Mm -hmm. I think it's worth spreading. That was a book that I read a long time ago. And you can't sell crap. It's mm -hmm. got to be a genuine product that fills a genuine need. And if you already have a built-in audience, that's just going to add gasoline to the fire. So I have to start by saying, Credit to True Earth for building an amazing company in such a short period of time with a product that's also doing good in the world. So there's my pitch for you, Ryan. <laughs> um, but the first step that we always start with is understanding who are we talking to. And so understanding who is going to be on the other end of the screen watching the video and what is it that we want to try to get them to do when they finish that three-minute video or whatever it ends up being. And so the more research that you can do, the more data that your customer can dump on you, or maybe they don't have enough data. Ryan gave me some really good data. He's a data head. I mean, he runs a, a well-oiled chip over there, but you may not have all of this data. And so you've got to stop before you waste a penny going through the rest of the steps, which will, you know, like when you take off a rocket to the moon, if you're off by one degree, you're going to be completely off by the time you get there. The same thing happens with the research step of any marketing campaign, whether it's video or otherwise, but finding out who is your customer avatar, not just your demographic, say women 35 to 65, but who is she? What's her name? What does she do during the day? I have a client that I'm working with right now. They're called Peeler Case. They make a compostable phone cover. It's one of the clients that Ryan referred me to, the same eco crowd. And they gave me the most impressive customer avatar document I've ever seen. I mean, it was pages and pages on who this person was. Actually, they had multiple avatars, right, for their different campaigns. But they went as far as what does her daily schedule look like? What time does she wake up in the morning? What does she drink for breakfast? What kinds of clothes does she wear? I mean, when you have that kind of targeting, you're on the right path. I was going to say, I'd be curious to, I'd be curious to know who that avatar is. Cause I, I think I have some of those in a shopping cart right now. Cause I am definitely getting targeted for those phone cases. <laughs> so it sounds like I'm very similar to the avatar that they are discussing. Yeah, another great company that's doing good things in the world. And we'll send you that video when it's done. <laughs> any, anyway, trying to understand not just who they are, but if you have the access, why have they bought your product? And so if you're on Amazon, that's a huge wealth of, of information of customer reviews. Don't write your customer's story, rewrite their customer story. So if they've already given you reasons why, we always start with the top five reasons why people buy your product. In three minutes, you can't get many more key selling points than five. 
And then maybe the, the top one or two objections, the reasons why they won't buy or they won't buy again or they were disappointed. And you can address those head on because if you don't address objections, they're just not going to buy. It's not like you can get by and, and sweep it under the rug. So you got to hit the, the key selling points head on and then you've got to overcome any objections. But anyway, that's the first step. It's always research and understanding who you're talking to what the messages are that they'll respond to. And obviously, if you've already got a tribe like Ryan has of people that are passionate about your product, half of your work is done for you. That's such a good tip too. Like if you're not exactly sure who your customer avatar is, go look at your reviews. And if you need to figure out exactly what objections people already have in order to provide that insight about your product you can read the reviews and see what people are saying. It's such a simple and easy tip that you don't usually think about. I think one issue that we usually see when we have customers trying to create their customer avatar is obviously you want it to be your ideal customer, but sometimes that person that you have in mind is a different person than is actually buying your product. And by reading those reviews, you'll figure out who is actually benefiting. I think that's a very simple, very easy tip that you don't usually think about a lot. Yep. And I have to give credit to the Harmon Brothers 14-day script writing course. I'm not an affiliate, but I love their training and I (laughs) recommend it to anyone. That's where I got that idea. Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. I love that. Yeah, for sure. And if you're a new business, what would you recommend? So if you're a new business, look at your competitors. Find a a product that most closely matches what you're starting. Because most of the time, you're not reinventing the wheel. If you are reinventing the wheel, then the only thing I could say is quiz potential customers. And there are SurveyMonkey and other sites Mm -hmm. out there that you can hire to do that. If a product like this was to come on the market, what are the top five things that you would want it to do? 
And what are the maybe one or two or three reasons why you might be hesitant to buy it? So there's always a way to find data. You just got to be resourceful. And this isn't really the glamorous stuff. I mean, step one is not, I mean, for some people, they love it. Like our director of strategy loves doing this. He'll go for an (laughs) entire weekend and read thousands of reviews all weekend long. And he loves it. Some people don't love doing it, but it's so vital. If you're going to, you can't just say, oh, 35 year old single mother in Des Moines, Iowa. Like that sounds great. You've got an avatar, but is it the right avatar? It's not based on any real knowledge. So you have to do the work first. The example that we always use from David Ogilvie is when, when he, he got the Mercedes Benz account as uh, an Ogilvie and his agency, he flew to Stuttgart, Germany, which is where Mercedes-Benz is housed for three weeks and quizzed all the engineers and people about the cars and uh, read every single manual. Like that's a lot of heavy lifting to start off with. Some people don't really like doing it. If you're an agency and you don't like doing it, hire somebody who does. But I think all stories and all good ads and what we're really talking about here is an ad that is entertainment at the same time, Mm -hmm. like starts with this foundation. If you don't have it, your uh, castle is built on a, a foundation of sand. That's for sure. Absolutely. Yes, for sure. It's not sexy, but you will thank yourself that you did it right. When you launch that video, the, the number one comment that I crave and that I'm so glad we got time and time again on this last video is that girl is me. Well, guess why it's you? Because I stole what you'd already written and that was in her script. Mm. (laughs) I took your customer comments and I put it in the script. And one of the great things that we're now doing, working on version two of the next True Earth video, is we got over 60,000. First of all, we got 13 million views and still counting. We got over 60,000 comments. And so guess what I'm doing for video two? I'm reading every single comment and they're now manifesting themselves in the script for version two. Yeah, that's tremendous. That's a lot of comments to read. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, as they say, champions aren't made in the ring, they're made outside the ring and they're training. Mm -hmm. It's like all the stuff that you're doing ahead of time is the thing that makes this, like this just didn't happen by happenstance you know it Mm -hmm. happened because of the work that was put in and i can't wait to see the follow-up to these videos as well so you do that research you do put in that heavy lifting or if you really enjoy doing it like our guy loves doing it sounds like you love doing it as well you go do that deep dive and then what's step number two like how do you come up with like something maybe relevant from that research so step number two is the brainstorm session and Mm -hmm. that's one of the most fun ones but it's also the hardest to articulate. (laughs) It's like trying, well, it's not, it can feel like trying to catch lightning in a bottle, but it's not something that I can tell you, here's exactly how to do it, but the best way to do it, and this is what we do. We basically create a document and we throw out as many crazy, random, shocking within reason, right? You got to abide by Facebook's policies. You got to abide by the brand voice of the company. You got to do something that's going to not offend people too much. And I'll say something about that real quickly. If you don't get complaints on your video, you haven't done it right. 
to offend some people. And there's a line. You've got to push it far enough that it's disruptive. I mean, that's the golden word in advertising. Be disruptive. And there are people out there that are going to hate your ad <laughs> and the people that love your ad. It has to be pushed enough that it's somewhat polarizing, but mostly 80% of the comments are good and 20% of them are bad. So when you're brainstorming these ideas, you have to come up with something that is completely different than anything that they are going to see on their feed that day. And not just verbally, because we all know 80% of people will open their phone and they're scrolling Facebook or Insta or TikTok or whatever it is with their sound off. So it has to be visually arresting, which is why the very first shot of the True Earth video, our actress is standing in the backyard soaking wet. <laughs> Curiosity killed the cat. You can't yes. scroll past that without at least sticking around to find out why, why? is she soaking wet. And then we hit you with four more very quick visually arresting from an explosion to a kid throwing water on a brand new computer to a witch getting hit with a bucket of water. I mean, there's, there's no selling going on here. It's 100% I'm trying to bribe you with your interest to keep watching. So when you're brainstorming, who do you have a team of writers that are all in this doc or is it your production team or who are you working with in order to just get some ideas down on whatever Google doc that you're working on? So Ed Catmull in his book, the founder of Pixar, Creativity Inc., he talks about a brain share, a group of people that you trust that are all invested in this project. And so what I do is, and we're a very small company. Let me just say, I have Mm -hmm. imposter syndrome even being on this show because (laughs) we're a boutique of an agency. (laughs) And so what I do so that I can charge very low rates is I hire people that already have jobs that just freelance for me on the side. And a lot of them are actually stand-up comedians. A lot of them are on cruise ships during COVID-19. They're not even doing that. And so they have time during the day that they freelance for me. Mm -hmm. But now those are just friends of mine, people that are in my family or people that I just know from life or people that I know on Facebook that post funny comments. I mean, just you got to think outside the box and find who do you know that's super clever super creative, super funny, and then just bring them into your brain share. And so everything we do is on Dropbox paper, which is very collaborative. Mm -hmm. We comment and we basically just throw out all of the ideas that first come to mind. And the number one rule is there are no bad ideas. The crazier, you know, you may throw an idea out there that's terrible, but will give me or one other Mm -hmm. member brain share you know, a tangent to go off of or spin it the other way. And all of a sudden it's brilliant. So simply coming up with five ideas that we feel good enough presenting to the client. And those aren't scripts. They're just simple, high level. Who's our character that's hosting the video? What is their problem? And how are we presenting it in a creative way? Not a funny way. Again, we're not writing jokes yet. We're just... Mm -hmm finding a creative story that we know we can turn funny later in the process. 
I once read that as soon as your audience, and this is for screen, I think it was actually a screenwriter course, but it relates so well to video, mm-hmm. is as soon as your audience can predict what's happening or coming next, you've lost them. You lost them, yes. Yep. Predictability is a killer of attention. Yeah. <laughs> so the ideas, the big ideas... And the tip of, and I know people on perpetual traffic here are probably thinking to themselves, who's the funniest person that I know? Maybe I can uh, get them on staff. That's what I was immediately <laughs> thinking based upon that insight is now you've got like one idea or one or two ideas and then you start scripting or do you start sort of scripting them all together and see which one turns out the best? What do you sort of take next? So obviously in a perfect world, we'd do a lot more than we actually do. I always tell people projects are never finished, they're only abandoned, right? So at some point, you've got to make a decision and and open one of the doors and close all of the others. So again, our our whole mission, our company philosophy is we want to be the affordable option for companies that want to do the kinds of videos that we do. And so what's the most effective way that we can do the most for the very least amount of money. And I know that sounds a little bit trite, but it lets companies do what they didn't think they could afford to do. And so what we typically do is we'll limit it to five concepts. Now, if we send it out to the client and they say, I don't like any of those, which has never happened, Mm -hmm. um, we'll go back to the drawing board. We've got to get one concept that we love most of the time. In fact, it's funny, Matt with Peeler case, I hope he doesn't mind me telling you this. <laughs> we emailed him his five concepts. Actually, I think I, we gave him six. And his email was like one line. It was like, can we do them all? That's <laughs> <laughs> when you know you got it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, a great, that's a great problem to have. And a lot of the time that is what happens. But at some point you have to say, let's keep on budget. Let's go down one of the roads. And if this is a hit, we got four more concepts right after that we can just jump into. But no, we will be pretty, pretty streamlined in saying, let's leave all other roads behind. Now, it doesn't mean we can't pull elements out of the other concepts if it fits, if it's relevant and it, you know, and it adds to the story. But no, once we are all in love and we use that term, we have to all be in love with it because there's no point trying to drive a script where we don't really see a solid idea that has legs to become a full-blown video, right? It's not just Mm -hmm. one joke. It's a story that can be expanded and also obviously be relevant and hit the customer in that relevant space where they say, oh, that looks like me or it's at least the problem that I have. I relate Mm -hmm. to that. So yes. Then we go into step three, which is the scripting. Mm -hmm. And and, and really, that probably takes the most time of the phase that, that I'll step you through, other than the post-production. Mm-hmm. So we'll spend a good month just bashing that script, creating the story, putting all of those five selling points that I mentioned in the research phase, figuring out how to tell that without making it feel salesy. Mm-hmm. And, and we never want to create a video that feels like an infomercial. That whole icky feeling of, yes, I'm being sold, I'm being sold. No, we wanna create a video that whether or not, let's say that I open my wife's Facebook account and I'm watching the video. I still want it to appeal and and for me to enjoy watching it. Now I'm not gonna buy, 
-hmm. But you've got to have that entertainment weave throughout the whole thing. Mm -hmm. we, we look at our scripts and make sure we never go too long without something that makes you smile, hopefully laugh, mm. which yeah. keeps the attention. So is your script where you're also trying to build in, yeah, these funny moments? Are you writing in, this is where you're inserting the jokes and inserting funny things that'll happen while you're also trying to make sure that you're getting an appropriate pitch across? Actually, no, good, good point. So we, <laughs> in the scripting process, we call it a dry script. Okay. So, so it's entertaining and it's hopefully fun, but not necessarily funny yet. Now, if the script writer has some jokes that happen to come in, that's fine, but that's not the goal. The goal is to make sure from a entertainment story point of view, mm -hmm. but also from a marketing point of view. So there's multiple eyes on this, right? The client needs to make sure that it's hitting all the key points. Right. The storytelling script writer person is making sure that the narrative is in interesting and entertaining. And then there's, again, there's a lot of elements. And for anyone watching, again, I would refer you back to the Harmon Brothers 14-day script writing challenge. Mm -hmm. They will go into a ton of detail about all of the different ingredients that need to go into the script to, to make it a conversion video. But again, in our process, the way that we do it, we'll basically have two or three people watching that script with the, with a lead script writer mm -hmm. basically stepping you through and taking all of the ingredients and creating a a story that sounds like this could be really fun if we had just a whole bunch of jokes added into it yes uh, getting the like the backbone of the storyline onto onto a paper it sounds like yes so you're bringing that character to life the mm -hmm. brainstorm concept and, and all of our videos, if you look, they're all hosted by one hero character, the, the story brand guy. Talks Donald about Miller. Miller. That's right. Love his <laughs> podcast, right? So his whole philosophy that you're taking your customer on a journey, this should be a mm -hmm. story. There's a hero and, and the hero's journey, just like any movie that starts with a beginning, middle and end, the same principles apply, just much shorter. Mm -hmm. So making sure that all of those elements are included in that script so that again, our, our whole philosophy, a lot of clients will say to us, you made a three and a half minute video. Nobody's going to watch that. And, and, and in fact, Ryan from True Earth, when I delivered the first cut to him, he had no idea how, how long it was going to be. It was three and a half minutes. And he sent it around to his mastermind group. And guess what they said? Way too long. Too It'll long. <laughs> Nobody will watch it. We don't think it's going to convert. You've just wasted X amount of dollars. Huh. And, and we did a 60-second version mm -hmm. and a three-and-a-half-minute version, and the three-and-a-half-minute version wiped the floor with the 60-second version. It wasn't even close. I don't even know if he's promoting that 60-second one right now. But the point is people don't not watch long videos because it's long. They stop watching videos because they get bored. If you can hook them from the very beginning and then keep putting hooks into them all the way through, you'll keep way more than you would if it's just a regular video without those hooks. That's such a good point. Well, first of all, at Digital Marketer, all of our, any video that we put on Facebook, our social media manager says the longer videos always do the best. And even 
Ryan Dice, DM always says that was his philosophy when he started our marketing certifications was we're going to create these long form certifications because if you're providing value and or entertainment, people will watch the longer video. I loved that quote that you just said. They stop watching because they're bored. If they're bored, then you're not providing value or any form of entertainment. But if you have those elements within the video, people are going to keep watching, especially when you're providing those, what you were saying as those cuts and curiosity that people want to know what's coming next. How, why would I stop watching? Exactly. Especially if they keep saying, that's me. Oh, I've yes. done that. <laughs> problem that I've had. Oh, my kids totally do that. Whatever. It is, <laughs> as long as you can keep hooking them and keep advancing them along the sales, the mental sales journey mm -hmm. from zero to, I don't know anything about your product to, oh, I want your product or at least want to find out more about your product. As long as you can. Did you know companies that blog consistently receive 67% more leads than those that don't? Now that feels obvious, right? When you hear it, but it's still a really surprising statistic. Consistent blogging is so important to growing a business, but who has the time to research keywords, come up with topics, write content? It's a nightmare. BKA Content, a content writing agency with 10 years of experience, offers monthly SEO blog writing service where they'll do it all for you. All of your monthly blog posts delivered directly to your inbox, 100% ready to publish. Go to bkacontent.com forward slash perpetual. That's bkacontent.com forward slash perpetual. If you're not A-B testing on your site and doing optimization experiments, you're leaving serious money on the table. Not only can it keep your business from growing, it gives your competition an edge over you. Luckily, our friends at Conversion Fanatics have run thousands of conversion rate optimization experiments every year for clients like Clorox, Burt's Bees, Dr. Axe, Magnolia, ClickFunnels, and many more. They optimize your site for you so you can get more customers scale your traffic faster, and see more profit to your bottom line. If you're interested in how you can optimize your website, you can get their number one Amazon bestseller for free by going to conversionfanatics.com forward slash free book. That's conversionfanatics.com forward slash F-R-E-E-B-O-O-K. Go download it today so you can learn how to double your customers, sales, and profits with A-B testing. take them along that story journey, that's really where the success comes. Yeah, for sure. We've mentioned this many times. Facebook always says, oh, don't do those long form videos. It's all 15 seconds. And now we're looking at Snapchat and TikTok and those are five to 15 seconds. I mean, everything has its place, mm -hmm. but we're big advocates of like 10, 11, 12 minute videos oftentimes. But like to your point, like a three minute video that's boring. Yeah. People won't watch, but people go into a dark room with a bunch of other people, at least they did before COVID and watched two hour and a half or three hour movies. And unless those movies are like constantly hooking them in, they're going to get up and leave or they're going to fall asleep. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't really matter what the length is, as long as you are compelling people to watch. And it can be Great story. Yeah, that's me. I don't know what's going to happen next, but also humor. And you throw in a lot of hooks 
all the way through. So what makes it so, so irresistible? And I think if you get like a combination of all those things together, like that's when a video is really like, yes. bam, it's really made it. The funny thing about this video, a Facebook ad I told one of my clients recently, keep your videos to 15 seconds and mention the product name in the first five seconds. That made me want to throw up. Again, this video has 13 million views, over $2 million in sales, 60,000 shares, 50 plus thousand comments. Guess how long it takes to get to the product? A minute and 20 seconds. I was going to say, I feel like it's over a minute. (laughs) That flies in the face of everything that marketers will tell you. And I'm sure that there are cases and I'm sure that there's good reasons why they say that. But again, I'll refer back to the Harmon Brothers video, and I don't think I'm giving too much away when I say we watched the chat books video that they produced, and we loved it, Mm -hmm. uh, and we wanted to create a similar vibe to that. Mm -hmm. And that video, the same. You don't get to the product until a minute, I think it's a minute 30 into the chat Mm -hmm. book video, before they say the word chat books. One of the most successful videos of all time. And so... I see it more as hook their attention, keep their attention. Now we go straight into the problem, right? Mm -hmm. After we've hooked them, the first minute is building up what's the problem. The problem is that people are using laundry detergent bottles that are littering the planet, that you think that you're putting in the recycling bin, but it's actually not getting recycled. You're building a story that the whole time the viewer cares about. Mm -hmm. And then once you've built up some credibility that, oh, this is actually a legitimate, it may be funny and it may be silly, but it's actually got a serious message to it. Mm -hmm. You've built up a relationship with that person for a minute and 20 seconds, and they're way more likely to then resonate with the host when she says, here's the solution, as opposed to if she had to come out five seconds in and said, here's the solution. Well, why should I care? I don't know who you are. You don't have any connection to me. Building the character, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, presenting the customer avatar in a way that people can relate to. (laughs) Imagine that. (laughs) And then after that scripting, I guess we're sort of between scripting and the comedy portion, which is sort of your next step when you do it obviously in a really unique way. So tell us about that next step. Once that story is sort of architectured, then what? How do you guys do it? And so to make it even more hooks, I just keep thinking like more and more hooks all the way (laughs) along. Like you're using all the tricks. We're just fishermen. Really? Yeah. Throwing as many hooks as we can to get the most fish. But once we've got a script and this may drive clients crazy, but we never allow our clients to see the script. I used to be, like I said, I was a graphic design student, but I took a lot of painting classes and I hated it when my teacher would come around and look at my paintings when they were halfway finished. Got to be able to see it finished to decide what changes should I make. So, so we, and I, I know a lot of other people will disagree with this, but we wait until the script is what we would consider ready to produce before we present it to the client. But then we're willing to make any changes after that. So what we do is once the script is done to our standards, we pull in, and it could be the same brain share that we used in the brainstorming session, or it may not be. I have a whole bunch of rotating freelancers that write on, I think we have like eight projects on the board right now. So at any given point, it's actually more fun if we get different eyes on it. Sure. But... 
basically what we say is don't change the structure unless something jumps out to you that's going to be so much better. Try to keep the structure, but throw as many funny, quippy jokes, witty dialogue, anything that that you think would make people laugh, preferably smile. We always come back to that. The, The goal is that when the video is finished and the stranger watches it, they're at least smiling multiple mm-hmm. times through, preferably smiling, extra points for belly laughs. These so, are the contracted comedians helping with this. Yes. So these are people, again, some of them are comedians. Mm-hmm. Some of the just, just friends and family, the funny guy at the office, the, <laughs> the guy that cracks the wise jokes at Thanksgiving, whoever that, that has clever humor. And I've got to stress that. There's mm. a lot of freelance comedians that I'll hire and it's just silly. You've got to respect your audience's intelligence. Mm-hmm. You can't have dad jokes. A bad joke is worse than no joke at all. The only thing that's worse... You could blow it right there. I can't say this enough. In fact, this is a good point. For the first 15 years running this company, when the phone would ring and people would say, I want a funny video, I would say, we don't do that and put the phone down. <laughs> make it funny. <laughs> Here, make this funny. <laughs> it just didn't have the team of people that could do it justice. You can't go halfway. People will think badly of your brand if you try to be funny, but you're really not. And, and I say that with full, again, imposter syndrome that half of my videos, I'm a critic and I don't think half of them are as funny as they could be. Yeah. But again, back to that, you only abandon projects, you never finish them. I've watched YouTube videos of like the, the Simpsons writing crew, like writing a Simpsons episode or Blue Harvest for Family Guy, like them all sitting around in a conference room table. And if they laugh, then they think that's fun. Is it that simple? And then it's like, how do you do it? Like, how do you know something's funny? Tell us how to funny be funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or how to predict that it's funny. It's maybe that- sort of the better part. Back to my disclaimer, I don't consider myself a funny person, but I know how to gather them together. And I think, I mean, I, I tell people, if you want to be in the creative industry, be a good observer. Mm. Observe everything, watch everything, TV shows, movies, but most importantly, real life, write things down. I keep my phone next to my bed. This is a little off subject, but any t- most of my good ideas come in when I'm asleep, on the crapper, in the shower. <laughs> you got to write those things down or you'll forget them. And, yeah. and so just being open to what other people have done, write down when you're watching a TV show, what was the line that they said, rewind it, work out the timing. I mean, there are TED Talks that you can watch on how to come up with creative ideas and how to be funny, but I don't think anyone really can ever really say ABC. It's mm-hmm. just... It works. And the biggest indicator for these kinds of videos is to sit somebody down who is your customer avatar, Mm -hmm. show it to them and shut up. Watch them. See if they laugh. See if they smile. See if they're confused. Quiz them afterwards. Ask them, did this work? Did this not work? And that will give you more valuable information than anything that is in your mind. To me, when you see these videos, they're funny when they're true. 
And I think that goes back to what you were saying of, you have to say, that's me. And I feel like that's why when comedians do shows, a lot of their bits are based around, at least based around like real life situations, because you can imagine that happening to yourself. And I feel like it really comes back to what you were saying in terms of, we know every detail about our customer avatar. And when you know every detail, what's stressing them out and then turning that into something that's humorous because laugh because you want to cry. I think that's really, (laughs) that's such an important point in terms of making sure that you understand who you're selling to. Yes. And I would love to have the luxury of a Saturday Night Live writer's room with 20 (laughs) sitting in a circle. That would be, that's my dream. And maybe someday that'll be the reality. But what I do is I try to create a virtual writer's room. Mm -hmm. So again, that's where live documents, not everyone working on their own Word document, but one central document that everyone's putting a comment in and then somebody else will comment on their comment and they'll take that idea further and we'll vote on which ones are the ones that should be kept and which ones should be thrown away. And some immediately you just know that's brilliant, has to be in there. Others like, is it just my experience that I don't think this Mm -hmm. is funny? And so you have to get the wisdom of the crowd collaboration and it's you figured out a way to do it virtually too through which dropbox product is it papers papers yeah yeah super interesting so collaboration for stuff like this is obviously is super important collaboration just in general like for really good ideas like chances are if you collaborate with other people instead of just thinking that you're the one genius chances are that idea really isn't all that great but once you get other people with different viewpoints it sounds like you even bring in different types of comedians based upon maybe even the product or the storyline. So you get differing viewpoints, which then collaborate together to make something even more funny and more entertaining. Yeah, and do you know what's fun? Is that in a virtual world, like Ryan told me yesterday, this next video, I wanna run it in Australia and in England. So guess what I'm doing? I'm getting hey. comedians that live in those countries that are going to collaborate on the next script. You could That's never do that in a regular brick and mortar setting. That's tremendous. Yeah. I love that. And yeah, because the humor will be different and slightly altered and that makes so much sense. So the comedians come in, they punch it and like yep. you've got something and then that script is pretty much final at that point. And then what's the next step or like, are there still tweaks yeah, I, again, most things are never final. That's, the, that's where we say it's as good as we think it's going to get without spending way more time and, and, and energy. It's, good, it's as good as we think it's going to get. Let's present it to the client and see what they add to it. And most of the time, the client, some of them may, but most of the time, the client isn't going to make it funnier. They're just going to say, you know what? Our product- Especially not Ryan. he's gonna love this episode (laughs) no they'll say they'll know about their their customer and that's i'll give you an example again i hope he doesn't mind me using this but in in the final script we had things like the lady brings up a, a hamper of laundry and he said immediately that cannot be a plastic laundry bin i would never have thought of that Uh, It has to be a wicker or a cloth or something that's uh, eco-friendly. I would never have known to put that. And just little things that he knows about his tribe that we don't. Yeah. 
and, and so things like that, the client will add to a, a lot of the time, they'll want multiple revisions, which is you know, part of the collaborative process. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at some point, I, I think it's really hard being so close to a script. You have to step back from it. And again, go and test it on other people. Email it. Mm-hmm. To, if you've got the money, do a survey monkey. Or sometimes we'll stand on a street corner, literally, and stop people and say, can you just read this? <laughs> <laughs> people stop for that? Will they do it? You'd be surprised. You have a clipboard and a, a little name tag. You'd you be- look professional. <laughs> so if you see Joseph, some guy with a British accent on this yeah. corner of Salt Lake City, right. you'll know. So we haven't even gotten into the shooting side. Like this is all like we haven't even shot anything yet. We haven't yeah. bowled out the video, the cameras or any of that stuff. I assume maybe that's next or maybe that's not next. Yeah. So that would definitely come next. And I have mixed feelings on this because – I, that's what I do for a living. <laughs> I, I think you've got to do it right. If you spent the time to do the previous steps that I just explained, you're at least two or three months of work, mm-hmm. right? Sure. And so how much do you value your time? Make it right in production and make it look right. It doesn't have to look like a million dollars, but it can't look like you pulled out your cell phone and filmed this. Mm-hmm. There are certain kinds of videos that absolutely that's the way to do it. User generated content, mm-hmm. unboxed videos, reviews, vlogs, what we're doing now, that doesn't have to be high production value. We see much higher results if you look online, the kinds of videos that are in the tens of millions of views, pretty much most of them, if not all of them, were professionally done by a production crew. That's all they do. There's the time and a place for the different kinds of videos and depends on if you need a big sale and you have to put forth money in order to get it out of it. Put forth not just money, effort and the value in order to see the value come from it. it makes a lot of sense. And again, it all comes back to that first five seconds of reaction. Yes. If everything on your Facebook feed looks the same, you're going to get lost. And guess what? Most videos on Facebook look like they look the like cell phone. Well, the it's a scroll phone. stopper. <laughs> yes, exactly. Stand out, look different, be different. So production itself, like on this one, this was done obviously in your studio and then no. apparently in your front yard. <laughs> front yard. So I guess I should step part of production is pre-production. And that to me is almost more important is auditioning actors Mm-hmm. Because I, I got to hand it, Talitha Hanks was the actress in this video, and she hit a home run. <laughs> How I mean, did you find her? So she's with our local agency. Uh, okay. Here in Salt Lake, they're my go-to agency that I've worked with for 20 years. They are fantastic. But they sent me, I think I asked for close to 20 auditions before we got to Talitha. And she's actually an actress that I've wanted to work with on a few other projects and just our schedules never worked out, but mm-hmm. you've got to cast the right person that can deliver the timing. I mean, comedy, it's all about timing, right? Mm-hmm. You can have a Shakespeare trained actor that's fantastic on the stage, put them in front of a camera. Now they're not this big from the audience's perspective. They're right up close to the camera. Mm-hmm. All different set of acting skills. 
And so every city, no matter where you are across the country, just go Google your local talent agency. And I would say, if you've only got a very small budget, spend it on your actor before you spend it on the camera crew. It's more important Mm -hmm. to get a very good actor than it is to make them look right. Now, obviously I want both, but if I can only have one, I'm going for the actor every time. So we auditioned and and cast Talitha. We cast a couple of kids, as you saw in, in, in (laughs) working with kids is a whole nother ball of wax. They were pretty good. They did get tired toward the end, that shot where they're covered in paint. We literally dumped out like six buckets of paint all over them. (laughs) I I don't think they realized what they were signing up for. (laughs) But anyway, once you got your actors cast, and my sister was the witch, she did a cameo. She's okay though, she didn't melt, disclaimer. No witches were harmed. (laughs) Talking back to complaints, we got a lot of complaints from witches. I'm not <laughs> What? I'm not kidding. Ask right. The Salem, Massachusetts crowd did not like this video at all. So. So, so then the next step is figuring out where you're gonna shoot it. My sister had this beautiful new house that she had just built, and that's where we filmed the whole thing. We filmed the interiors and exteriors at her house. And I think we shot that in two days total. So it was pretty quick. That was pretty much the production. So making sure you got the right actors, great location, good solid crew. Sound is super important. A lot of people think, well, let's just get a great camera. Sound is 50% of the picture. Make sure Mm -hmm. you have a good sound person that has a good boom microphone. If you're shooting outdoors, which we did in a couple of scenes, loop the audio in a different quiet location and match it up. And then we did that special effects, the the bottles. I'm getting all my secrets away here, but <laughs> I got a guy on Fiverr in India to do that for Super cheap. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and we just added that in. There was the, the explosion was a $50 sodium metal block that I bought on Amazon and just threw into a bucket in my front yard. You don't have to break the budget to have something that looks close to what some of the bigger budget productions do. I love it. It's a little scrappy, like... Buying fireworks off Amazon and hiring people off Fiverr. I think that's, like you said, you have the right people and you have the right idea and the right script. Then it seems like it comes together pretty easily after that. And you can pinch some pennies where needed and then focus on the areas that are really important to the audience. And, And one other tip on the production is everything that we shoot is in 4K. We're actually going to be buying an 8K camera soon. Ooh which for you geeks out there basically means that you don't have to have your actors do as many takes. Now, when you're throwing freezing cold buckets of water on witches, <laughs> that comes in handy because it means you've got a wide shot and in the same take, you've got a close-up shot. Oh. So you have double the amount of footage. Sometimes you can actually get three shots out of a 4K because we master everything in 1080p. Nobody can, re- in my opinion, not too many people can tell the difference between a 1080p on YouTube and with compression and a 4K video. So we never edit in 4K. But with the 8K camera that we're about to buy, now you've got an extreme wide, a medium shot, a close-up, and an extreme close-up, which oh, again, just... It's easier on actors because you don't have to have them do that take over and over again, especially, like I said, when you're 
doing things like dumping paint over kids. You want to minimize those shots as much as possible. How many takes did you have to make your sister do? <laughs> so so here's, here's a secret. So the very first take, we threw the buckets and there was me on one side and my grip on the other side and my grip missed. No! <laughs> he threw the bucket and it missed my sister. Mine hit, but then she didn't know whether she should do her line or not. And so she was so, we had to take her back in the house, dry her off with a hairdryer. <laughs> Come back. We got it in the second take. That's great. I was going to say, once you're wet or once you're covered in paint, you only really get one shot. <laughs> so the production, like the production, the fact that you did this in two days, so when people see this video, if they haven't already watched it already and stopped listening to the show here, it's then the post-production which is like the, another whole step where you're adding in a like how much of that adds to the humor and the story. Cause it, I mean, after watching it like 20 times, I'm like, wow, he added those tiny little things in, which are just so funny. Hmm. Like is that scripted out ahead of time? Is it sort of done after you do the video shoot, is it a lot of this sort of, it's a moving target a bit based upon what you think lends itself to the storyline and what is also funny? Take us through that. One of the things that I love is when I'm on set and either the actor or I or a crew member just comes up with a random idea that works. Right. right? So you can script everything you want, but always be open to the creative process. You know, what would be really funny here is do this. Like that kind of stuff happens a lot. Exactly. In fact, the second shot that we have of Talitha when she says mascara and a teardrop runs down her face, that was all improv. In in fact, if you look really closely, we only got one take of that. And so the teardrop that's going down her face isn't real. I I added that in, in with effects in post-production but the line was brilliant because every woman can relate to having mascara run down her face (laughs) anyway that's an example of something that wasn't scripted that just ended up working on the set on the day but to your question about post-production i i watched a master class with martin scorsese recently and the thing that he says i think it's in the trailer that they use on facebook is if you look at your first take and you don't want to throw up, something's wrong. (laughs) And that could not be more true with these kinds of videos. It's all about timing on set, but then timing in the edit. And people do not have the attention span to keep watching a video that doesn't get straight to the point and keep hitting the point. And so if anything my videos may be criticized as being too fast. And Mm -hmm. the human brain can take in a lot more information in a lot shorter time than we give it credit for. Mm -hmm. And so I literally hate breaths. (laughs) Like if I breathe between lines, I cut it out. I overlap lines. I want to start the next line before the previous one has finished. I speed things up. I mean, it has to be so fast that people don't have the time to say, oh, this is boring. 
So are you the one doing the edits then when you're supposed to make the edits based on the script that you created or when you're filming, do you know, or do you have a team that's also doing that saying you should cut here? You should, I'm really curious. Yeah. So I have a team of people that do what I call the rough cuts. Okay. But the final edit is my baby. (laughs) I have have to have my fingerprints on it. I don't know. Maybe that's ego, but I, I just, I love to edit because that to me, there's no other process that's so final that's going to make such a big impact on whether or not the video feels right when it's played. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, I have other people that will assemble the clips and throw away bad takes and give me options and then put together a first draft. But I basically take it from there and finish it. Got it. So that is step six, really, is post-production, which... Yes. See, like there is a lot that goes into that really does add to the entire storyline, to the humor of it. And then you're like, all right, well, here's my baby. Like, then what do you do? You have to figure out whether or not it actually sticks. And so part of process through all six, and this is step seven, but it really should be step 1A, step 2A, step 3A, <laughs> which is testing. So you've got to make sure that it works because you are just one person and your opinion really, it's an informed opinion, but it really shouldn't be the one that matters. What matters is whether people that you want to like it actually do like it. And so we make, and I should back up, we make multiple versions of most of our videos. Some of this is a function of budget, but right now with our next video for Ryan for True Earth, we're doing three different openings. We didn't do that on the first one. We we didn't have the budget. But now that this video has done so well, Ryan said, let's do three different openings for this video. And so we're right now scripting three different options or brainstorming three different options. And we're going to test which one did the best. We also do multiple versions on the length of it because obviously Facebook will allow you to do however long a video you want. Instagram won't. TikTok won't. Stories won't. And so we do shorter versions for different platforms. And again, it's all about testing. One other thing is I've never had a video where the edit followed the script. Not once. There's always changes in the editing. What you think will work in the scripting, Uh I'll take a piece out of here. Like for example, in the True Earth video, the scene where the mother replaces her laundry detergent shelf with junk food Mm. (laughs) that used to come much later in the video and in the testing process people liked that and so we brought it forward okay and the beauty is we just shot everything in that video in the same house so it didn't matter whether it was at the beginning or the end it wasn't a linear journey that had to be beginning middle and an end it was Mm -hmm. segments And there's a lot of pieces that I just took out of here and placed in a different place. And so never get so in love with your script that you're not open to changes in the edit. But then once it goes live, we test it and we see which platforms. Now, I don't get involved with that. That's (laughs) the agency. I know enough to know that I don't know enough to do any of that side of the business. I just want to create the very best video, do different versions, test in some cases multiple call to actions, Mm -hmm. and then give all of those different video files to the agencies that actually put them out and run them and do testing. 
But the one thing that I really always look forward to is the retention curve. So every mm -hmm. video platform, whether it's YouTube, Facebook, Vimeo, they'll have a setting that you can go into and you can see your retention curve and you can see mm -hmm. spikes and drops. The spikes yeah. are where, what people like and the drops is where, we're where people are bouncing. And normally on any commercial, if you go into the retention, on these kinds of videos, you'll see a big drop where they introduce the product. All of a sudden, it's not a sketch comedy that I'm watching, it's a commercial. Mm. Yeah. And that's totally normal. But one of the things that I was super proud of is that when Ryan sent me the retention curve, it was constant. There was not a single place in the video where we could see a big drop. I love it. Now, people still aren't staying and watching all the way to the end. Right. Maybe 5%, if that, will watch all the way to the end of a video. But 5% of 13 million people. A lot of people. <laughs> That's pretty good. This is a pretty good numbers, I guess. Uh, I mean, all those video platforms, I mean, like we use Wistia on our mm -hmm. end. Uh, yeah. It's so it, like, it's changed the course of so many companies and the way that they actually market mm -hmm. their products. You're like, oh my God, like when you talk about that, all of a sudden it goes up and then it goes back down. Well, what was that thing that we talk about there? And then we go back, let's shoot a video on that thing instead of like the other, all these little tiny little metrics can be a real key window into potentially other videos, ways in which you can edit it again and like the next version, all that stuff. And it's the stuff that I don't think a lot of people really look at, although you do, which is the reason why you're you know, successful you, with these sort of stuff. Do you think the curve stayed constant just because of the way you were editing or because of the attention or like the relationship of your actor to the customer avatar or what do you think made that retention curve not drop off? Honestly, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that retention curve, when I do a video, that retention curve to me represents our homework. What do we still need to do the research for the next version? Mm -hmm. And the beauty of not seeing anything is that we didn't have any homework on that version, which is mm -hmm. why from day one through today, Ryan is still running that original version. A lot of the times people will, will see issues in the retention curve and they'll recut different versions. And the, and the only downside to that is then you lose your social proof with the one video that has all of those views and all of those That's comments right. and all of those shares. Maybe now is a time to reveal the big secret, <laughs> which is we don't make viral videos. <laughs> those 13 million views i don't have hard data but i would guess at least 10 million of those were paid ads right sure if you get some shares and you get some organic traffic that's just the cherry on the top mm -hmm. the goal when we sit down to write a script isn't to make a video that goes viral probably you guys know this the social media platforms changed their algorithms years ago because they knew that people were making money off of them without them making it. Yep. And so our goal is simply a conversion video where when the client spends $1 in advertising, they get three, four, five dollars in return. It's yep. not to create a video that organically goes viral. Our video probably wouldn't have got off the ground past, I don't know, a, a few hundred thousand views with Ryan's base, if that. Yeah. It's, it's the return on ad spend that keeps fueling those views because it's working. So let's keep spending.
And it's mm-hmm. got to be paid. It's got to be paid media here. I yep. do think the one social viral aspect of it is the ratio. I think you sort of went by it quickly in the intro, which is comments to shares ratio. Mm-hmm. And it's like you've got a two to one share to comment ratio, which shows that people are, yeah, I'm seeing it because of paid ads, but I'm passing it on to my friends because I love it so much. Yeah. Yes. But that's not necessarily the formula. Like you can't, like yeah. I mean, to get something that goes viral, like the cranberry juice with dreams guy on TikTok that everyone's talking about. It's like, how are you going to engineer that? Nobody will ever know really what that formula is. Just power it with paid ads. Like if yeah. you want to get mm-hmm. it to go viral, and I'm doing some air quotes here. And so it's all about, <laughs> These videos are used for conversion. It's not for just pure video views. You have a raving advocate of a customer because this has produced sales and it's converted. And when you power paid media behind it, that's where you get it to go to a very large audience, which thankfully, lots of people out there that have clothes and might need to wash them. A very large market and mix that in with people who are environmentally aware and are looking to make some positive changes to help save the planet. So it's a great combination of conversion, really great market with, like you said at the beginning, it's a great product. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it brings us 360 degrees back to the very beginning when I was talking about my clients who weren't seeing what they used to see on infomercials on the return on their ad spend. Mm-hmm. That's what it's all about. And, yeah. and now it's finally, I, got, I feel like I found the golden goose again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you absolutely did. Well, this has been tremendous and we will be leaving lots of links in the show notes for all the <laughs> stuff that we had mentioned here. Not one of which, of course, is Mm -hmm. funnysalesvideos.com. So you can check out all of Joseph's work here. Where should people go to find you? Is that the place to find you? Is there other places where you'd like uh, listeners of professional traffic to check you out? I mean, I would say go to funnysalesvideos.com. On that website, there's a little box that says, click here to sign up for a free brainstorming session. That will send us a little email and and we can get with you and and schedule that. The other place is LinkedIn. I'm fairly active on LinkedIn. Joseph Wilkins, just look me up and let's connect. Yeah, we'll leave all the links uh, here in the show notes. So to make sure that you do grab all those, head on over to digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. This has been episode 276. Joseph Wilkins, thank you for coming on here today, man. This has been outstanding. And obviously, people are going to be watching this video and probably sharing a lot of it here (laughs) in Perpetual Traffic. And I really appreciate you coming on and and dropping the knowledge bombs as far as how you actually do this and us deconstructing it. It's always really important to sort of go inside our super creative person's brain and figure out how they sort of think. So thank you for being so, so transparent here today. And I really appreciate you coming on the show. Hey, it's been a blast. Thank you, both of you. It was fun. Like I said, for all the show notes and all the uh, links and resources, uh, head on over to digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. For myself and Amanda Powell, until next week, see ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic. For more information and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening.